now, live from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing love-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Clark and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Press Podcast. We are in a special place today, Zach. Uh, we're doing another live remote, and by live we mean uh, taped, us talking into... That never gets old. Yeah, it never, never gets old. But today we are upstairs, we're in the VIP lounge area of Timothy's Fine Tobaccos, which is uh, pretty much, I think, the best smoke shop in the world. Uh, it's in Bay City, Michigan. If you're ever through there, near there, anywhere on the east side of the state of Michigan, uh, you got to make a trip to Timothy's. Uh, just the classiest place ever. Uh, lots of great leather sofas, amazing uh, cigar selection, and just a great ambiance and a, and a super cool owner, uh, Tim Socher. So he's been kind enough to let us up uh, into the VIP area today where we're going to record a special show. And if you have read the uh, Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion, uh, that one's it's dedicated to Tim, and Tim's uh, interviewed in that. And we talk about uh, being a tobacconist and how how uh, cigars and scotch helped him rediscover his faith, which I think was a, one of the cooler interviews I've ever I've ever read. And I got to I got to watch you in action. First time I saw you interviewing anybody doing your right? thing. Yeah, it was the it was the Tim interview right here in uh, in this very right downstairs. Space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was such a great time. And uh, again, if you're uh, if you're a cigar smoker, if you know a cigar smoker uh, who'd be interested in, in all things related to, uh, to faith and cigars, uh, definitely pick up the Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion for them. Or if you're into pipes, get a hold of it and then get disappointed by how little pipe stuff there is and leave a two-star review on Amazon. That's exactly. also a possibility. Oh, wait. Somebody already did that, so don't do that. <laughs> well, as always, Zach, we've got a packed program uh, on tap today. We've got a lot of things that we're going to do, uh, including a recurring segment, including uh, something a little bit new. Uh, in which we're going to read some one-star reviews, correct? We're going to read some, some nasty reviews uh, that people have left online for both of our books, uh, kind of as a way to heal, uh, <laughs> but, but really as a way for us to make fun of the people who left the nasty reviews. <laughs> I didn't know I'm that. I'm in too honest a mood today. <laughs> I love it. And, of course, since we already had some really bad uh, energy drinks on the way here, we're going to review a cigar rather yeah. than an energy drink. Well, let's, let's uh, launch right into that. Let's talk about right. the cigar. What are we smoking here, Zach? This is the sound of some matches because you don't open a cigar with a tss yeah. like yeah. you do with exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, this is the uh, La Flor Dominica, uh, what is it, the Ligero. Ligero. Yeah, and, and what was unique about the shape of the cigar? Can you explain that? Well, it's, it's what they call a torpedo, so it tapers at both ends, which mm-hmm. and, and one end is kind of like really intricately tied off, yep. almost like... Uh, yep. An umbilical cord or a balloon. Okay. And uh, and those are great because you you cut the end, you cut you cut both ends actually, and then the end that you light is really small, so it's easy to get it to burn evenly because it yeah. starts just very, very small and then it burns up. You know what I like about that, Zach, is how descriptive you are with your words because <laughs> because Hans, Booby, this is radio, not television. Oh right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm actually really talking with my hands a lot because I'm a method actor. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, this is a great smoke. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been going at these for a while now, for over an hour, and, yeah. and there's still plenty to smoke. It's a nice, uh, smooth, easy burn. It's maturing. It's what I love in a cigar. You know, you yeah. buy a cigar for six bucks, and you think, oh, this is going to be you know, a real good one. I'm treating myself, and you smoke a third of it, and it starts to go bad on you. Yeah. And if you instead you buy a cigar for 15 bucks. And you smoke the whole thing, 
Do you see how you've gotten a better experience uh, and and a longer experience, and it's just a, a smarter buy? Yeah, this one really seems to get better uh, as it goes. Can you describe Zach any any of the flavor profile here? I've never been really good at this myself, but well, I'm good at like, at, like faking it. Um, okay. So what I what I got here, I'm 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 tasting kind of hints of um, like blackboard. On the finish, blackboard. Okay. Yeah, like, like, like. Did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever lick the blackboard in elementary school? <laughs> you know, I didn't. You, <laughs> you know, know that I, I'd love to be able to join you in that experience, but uh, but I actually didn't. But but <laughs> when I was a kid, I sometimes like it was my job to sort of like wash the erasers, or uh-huh. you know, you, like you go. A lot down of the, responsibility. Yeah, like. you go. To, yeah, I was a good kid, but you go down to the janitor's office and he like runs the erasers through that thing, and you and there's the dust. Like the black, like the yeah. chalk dust. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking I'm, about. I'm yeah. getting a little bit of that myself here on the finish. I'll tell you, which it, it smells like, it, it, it's like smoking your childhood. Mm. It's like rolling your childhood mm. up and smoking it. All the insecurities, all the... <laughs> the what happened, do you think, to the janitor and the, uh, the machine and all that stuff now that there's no more blackboards? I don't know, but that's sad. Like, yeah, it really Our is. kids won't have that experience. Oh, man, why even bother? No, why no. go to school? Why go to school? Well, and that's why most of our contemporaries homeschool, except for you and me. <laughs> And I feel like we're less we're lesser for it. Exactly, we're lesser. And, I, for and by that I mean that we're not worth much of anything as humans. Yeah, I feel that way too. I mean, I, I get that from other people sometimes. <laughs> I don't I don't feel that way at all. But <laughs> well, moving right along. Speaking of of people who have things to say about things, can I have my about coffee? issues? Sorry, man. Uh, yeah, this is the sound of me handing Zach his coffee in the studio, which doesn't sound like anything. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Are you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be all right. Okay, so uh, it's time now uh, for you to fire up the randomizer since you're kind of the technological brains behind this whole Alrighty. operation. Here, here we go. And what we do with the randomizer, if you haven't listened to the program before, uh, we have a recurring segment in which we uh, randomly generate a Rachel Held Evans tweet and we read it live on the air, except that... <clears throat> no, for- hold up a minute, Ted. <clears throat> we don't randomly generate the tweet, although that would be a funny thing as well to create a, oh, yeah. a program that randomly did the that. The Rachel Held Evans Mad Lib yeah, tweet generator. Yeah, like generator. Oh, but, that would be but fantastic. But it randomly chooses one right. that's already been generated by Ms. Evans. Right, important Held distinction. Evans. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, important distinction. And, and you would think that... Uh, for two guys like us who are who like words and who use our words a lot to try to be funny, <laughs> that we would give commentary or some kind of context. But the, the the gist of this particular bit, if you will, is that we just read it deadpan. And, and we we find the beauty in the empty spaces there, mm, and in the silence. Yeah, the beauty's in the kind of the negative capability, the negative spaces around the tweet, as it were. Um, now, Zach, I have a question for you, and I haven't I haven't shared this with you before, but I've gotten some. Some really positive feedback from listeners and fans of this program about when you when you read the tweet in a particular voice. Do you think you could do any voices today with the tweet, or do you want to just read it read it straight up? Um, it's up to you, man. Whatever you feel like would be more authentic. Is it? Is it? You know, to be. I saw that uh, Rain Rain Wilson the other day tweeted that being an artist is the highest point or the highest form of spirituality. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, and so if I, I mean, maybe if, if you think it would be more spiritual, I feel like Zondervan's going to be doing a book around that. <laughs> the Zimzum of the Zimzum of being Dwight an artist. Schrute. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so if you feel like that would be a more spiritual way to do it, you name the voice and I'll give it a shot, man. I wow. Don't, Could you do a little? I, you know what? I, have I you done Christopher Walken on this program yet? I, I'm not very good at walking. Okay. I wouldn't mind trying to do kind of like a Hans Gruber. Okay. Kind of a voice. Dude, I love it. All right, yeah. let's, let's yeah, do it Yeah, let's then. do it. So uh, fire up the randomizer. you got to read the hashtag, too. <clears throat> All right. 
Every few months, the modesty conversation resurfaces. This article holds most of my thoughts. Hashtag Christian Cleavage. <laughs> that was a horrible voice. That was just like my voice, but like... That, that's, that was really bad. That's okay. That's okay. And we didn't even leave any empty space around that. I feel like that was a... That's okay. Do you want to read it in, uh, in a different... How about you read it in... Uh, who's the guy that gets shot in, in Hans Gruber's office? Ellis. <laughs> Ellis? I can do Ellis. Read it in yeah. Ellis' voice. I can't believe you couldn't remember Ellis, man. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Hey, job boy. That's just to get it. Hey, no, it's got to be quiet and no, no yeah, reaction. No, no reaction. Deadpan, sorry. but deadpan yep. Ellis. Okay. okay. Every few months. No, that's not it. Every few months, the modesty conversation resurfaces. This article holds most of my thoughts, colon, quidias.org slash articles slash modest ellipses. Hashtag Christian cleavage. Huh? Are you laughing at my voice and not the content of the... Because otherwise... I would, I would never laugh at the content Otherwise of you lose. Yeah, because right? we don't do that. I think it's become... It, it, has it turned into a kind of a, a game show in which the, the way you win is to remain quiet? Is to not love the content. Well, great. I, I know people love that recurring segment, and, uh, and we're all about the fans here on this program. So. Amen. And speaking of being all about the fans, and this, this one's going to hurt a little bit because you've brought to the table uh, some one-star reviews, correct? I got uh, them, Some man. nasty reviews of our books. And these are books that we've done through traditional publishers, correct? Right, yeah. We, wouldn't, we, we, we don't acknowledge negative reviews of gut check books. Because we really don't get any negative reviews of gut check books. <laughs> kind of Christianity had some people who thought that it was both fearful and, oh, what was it? Fearful and something else. And, and we didn't have to touch it because the gut check army savaged those people in the comments on Amazon. Yeah, so, thank you, gut check army. Yes, you're, you're amazing. Uh, so I don't know, how do, we, how do we want to do this? Do we want to read our own negative reviews, or do I want to read yours and vice versa so that like, we can ruminate on hearing it and, and respond? Yeah, why don't, why don't you read mine, and then I'll read yours. All right. Mine's long, by the way. Really? Maybe I'll just pick out some... Uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Or we can cut some out okay. later if it gets... And, and mine is full of... I haven't read the whole thing yeah. because I wanted to be authentic with this, but mine is full of uh, view spoiler. So apparently okay. this is from Goodreads, so apparently okay. you can... Tag something as spoilers, okay. and it's riddled with that. So, all right. So this is from uh, Ted's book, uh, RG3, uh, Athlete, Leader, Believer. Okay. Uh, oh published by who, who? Published that one? Ted? Tommy Nelson. Thomas Nelson. Yeah. Tom Thomas, Nelson. All right. Tom. <laughs> you know what? You, you guys <laughs> are close enough that you yeah, call him Tom yeah. now. All right. So here it is. Not much to it. Okay. I was disappointed with Ted Cluck's biography of Robert Griffin III. It is a Thomas Nelson book sold in Christian bookstores and is subtitled Athlete, Leader, Believer. But there was very little Christian content in the book. That's the sound, by the way, of Ted really trying to light a match repeatedly and, and failing. Okay. okay. Here we go. Um, oh, no, Ted, this is so beautiful. Um, there was very little Christian content in the book, and the author seemingly praises RG3 for keeping his faith to himself, calling him, quote, a refreshing change from the nonstop evangelism of the Tebow brand. And the book even contained a curse word. Oh. Then there's a, an asterisk, and at the very bottom, it says asterisk, is the footnote. The word was hell, used as a curse, and was a quote from a doctor. This is classic. Dude, and that, is, that makes it all the worse that it was a quote from a doctor. No. Oh. Good grief. Medicine these days. <laughs> Obamacare, am I yeah, right? Yeah, oh boy, right. don't get me started. I chose this book as a football fan who knows little about RG3 as a person, and after reading it, I still know little about the person. <laughs> 
it became evident that the author has never spoken to the quarterback, which leaves a biography like this lacking. When talking about Griffin's decision to play football Baylor at Baylor, rather, he says, we may never know why he chose Baylor. I'd bet that we could know if someone asked him. I'd also bet that this information is available if the author did some looking. Yeah, Ted, why don't you do some looking? Some looking. It's all, it's all about the looking. It's hard to believe that he would never be asked about how he chose to attend the university that he did. Beyond that, the writing style was very hard to follow. Mm. Awkwardly writing in the present tense when covering past events, Cluck jumped from one topic to another quickly and abruptly. His constant subject changes made me scratch my head and reread pages trying to figure out what he was talking about. This you was still... You know what I'm envisioning? Is this guy scratching his head? <laughs> what? <laughs> this was... Is that because he said he scratched yeah, his head? Yeah, it is. <laughs> He's was, very descriptive with his words. You know what's not hard to follow is this review, actually. <laughs> well, you had to go down to the bottom to find out who said hell. But yeah, then, that part is hard to follow. Like, I had to jump down and read that. And then you had to find it where up. it was starting. Yeah, yeah. Right. This was still an interesting read. One okay. star, but it's still an yeah. But if you're it look- sucked horribly, but it was still a <laughs> super interesting read. But if you are looking for a biography about the life of Robert Griffin III, you might want to try something else. This book covered his rookie season in detail, but the rest of the book was the author's opinion about dozens of other players. I got this book free from Book Sneeze in exchange for my honest review. Book Sneeze, man. They renamed Book Sneeze to um, Book something else. Uh, it's less gross, less phlegm sounding. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right, man. His book sneeze sounds really serious and legitimate. I don't know why they didn't stay with <laughs> I that. I think that's actually Thomas Nelson's program, which is a great program for yep. generating reviews. And, and you know, honestly, it's great that they don't make them write a... I mean, it would be a little bit iffy if they made them write a positive. Wow, that hurts real bad. Book talk, maybe? I don't know. It went from being really descriptive and kind of gross yeah. to being really boring. And, and I'm hard past to... that now because I'm, I'm on to how much I'm hurting because Are of you, that. Do you need a hug, yeah. man? I want to die. <laughs> now, now, Ted, let's talk about this a minute, man, because yeah. you, you have 14, 14 books Something out with, like with major Something publishers, like plus the gut check stuff you've done, which has been out you know, in, in the public In spite of the fact guide. that I suck at writing, apparently. Well, yeah, I don't know why they keep yeah. giving you. Uh, but at this point, does that, that still smart a little bit to hear uh, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts go through and, and expertly savage your book in such a... Dude, yeah. I mean, honestly, all kidding aside, it does, it does smart a little bit. And I think, I think what... You know, what reviewers like this fail to realize is, you know, a lot of these books, and again, this is on me because I, I took that contract knowing full well that the turnaround was really tight. Um, I took it really knowing that I wouldn't get any access to Robert Griffin III, which would make it harder to write, but I took it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of times the, the reviewer doesn't really know exactly what goes into, you know, doing these, these types of books, these kind of soft, you know, you know profile type books on a, on a tight turnaround. But for you, I think it might help, you know, the healing if you didn't call him the reviewer, but you called him Tommy, because that's his name. Okay, his name is Tommy. Well, yeah. is there anything you want to say to Tommy? Um, Tommy, I, I was going to say thanks for buying my book, but he got it for free. Yeah, so, right. He got it for free, and then you know, he savaged it, so, no, so thanks for nothing. There's or? nothing good. Yeah, thanks for nothing, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> but In him. But, but <laughs> There's the wheeze again, man. It's coming back. <laughs> but, but, uh, but really, it was still an interesting review. Yeah. <laughs> I hated the review, but it was interesting. That's what I want to say to Tommy. All right, man, my turn. Hey, okay. this, one, this one's longer than you. No, oh, here we go. So I'm going to have to pick out some things. And, and I will say that I, I, this is my first time looking at this. So this is for Zach's book, Playing Saint, uh, which came out also on the Tommy Nelson label, did it not? Yeah, yeah, about the same, no, maybe about six months later. I Dude, guess. you know what I'm putting together right now, just, just at this very moment? What's that? That reviewer's name was Tommy. 
and he got the book for free from Thomas Nelson's <laughs> program. So maybe it was Thomas Nelson himself going may, by the name Tommy. I think he may have been dead for about, oh, I don't know, 300 years, but yeah. Well, Thomas Nelson is one of the oldest publishers in America, 1798. Is man. that right? George Washington was alive when they, when they kicked off that effort, wow, which is pretty I, cool. I had no idea. Um, okay. <laughs> Here's Sarah, and, and she starts right out. She doesn't sugarcoat anything like right from the, right the get-go here. She goes, uh, recommends it for, colon, well, apparently a lot of other people liked it. Well, there's so that. So there's that, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey. I wouldn't consider this book a letdown, but mostly because it never got my hopes up very high. <laughs> oh. Now, she is just a jumble of contradictions here right off the bat. Um, there's some promising stuff here. Okay, the little touches of humor worked well. The characters didn't feel like tired old cliches dragged out of cop shows and horror films. I like that. And it got somewhat more interesting as it went on. Unfortunately, that was not near enough to make it good. Oh, oh. not even nearly enough. Yeah, hang on, baby. Hang on. Uh, the first problem is the main character, Parker Saint. So the first problem apparently is is the character around which the entire novel. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's sort you're, of you're nitpicking now, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, right. You're splitting hairs. You know, <laughs> the side allusions to his televised ministry, his expressed desire to save Jesus from the uber conservatives, the destiny drinking game suggests that we're supposed to find him shallow, absorbed with fame, and theologically questionable. But that's all we're given. Like. <laughs> Now, that's actually a lot that, that you're given, I think. It's not nearly enough to make it good. Okay, not enough to make it good, but in my opinion, it's a lot. Uh, I'm not sure someone outside of evangelical Christianity would get why we're supposed to consider Parker's ministry bad. His return to a deeper faith is as flat and meaningless as it is predictable. Oh, oh ouch. Oh. Oh. Now, I, I will just beg the question... Why would anyone outside of evangelical Christianity necessarily even interact with this book? Because it's sort of it was on a Christian label, meant for a Christian audience. Well, except that it was as featured in a Library Journal uh, article about books that have crossover appeal. Okay, um, and I've I've had five stars from people who say I don't I don't buy the premise. I don't I'm not a Christian, but I thought it was good. So mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I'm getting a little defensive here, man. Yeah, I know. This baby. is a really good exercise. I think. Baby, I've been there. I've been there. I was there just like two minutes ago with Tommy's review. <laughs> There. In case you forgot there what happened recently. like two minutes yeah. ago on the show. Okay, here we go. I'm going to skip around a little bit because this, this is a really long review. His female characters felt pretty well developed, but almost immediately after a view spoiler, I was thinking about women in refrigerators. I don't understand what that means. It sounds like she has her own stuff going on there a little bit. <laughs> there, there weren't really any women in refrigerators. Oh, yeah. wow, that's a really loud Speaking of, something. it sounds like a loud refrigerator right. in the background. Just well, there kidding. that is. Was there any point to her character besides giving Parker angst? Why did the other female characters more or less drop out of the story halfway through? That's a lot of open-ended questions That's a lot of open-ended yeah. questions. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to say that the, the follow-up to this book that I'm writing now um, has a, a female lead, but I don't, I don't want Sarah to get a hold of it and write another you know, yeah, one-star review. So. All right, well, I, I'm going to end with this. I find his motivation and methods both puzzling and unconvincing. The climactic final battle between good and evil was about as dramatic as watching paint dry and took about as long. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, Sarah. That's just mean-spirited. You know, that's, that's just honesty, though. She's being authentic. You know what's funny, though, and she wouldn't know this, was that the first draft of the novel was, was going to be a book about a painter. And the different levels of, you know... Yeah. Wow. How we can see ourselves in the paint drying and, you know, that kind of I thing. I should have stuck with that, I guess. Well, baby, I don't know if we want to stick with this segment. This is a little too raw and a little too painful, I think, for both of us. Is there any more? Is that it? Is that the That's end? That's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. There's more, but you know what? Like, 
Oh, what's, what's the final? Give me, hit me with the final uh, the last the paragraph synapse of, there, yeah. Playing Saint avoids many of the problems Christian fiction is accused of having, such as the cheesy conversion scene or an abundance of cliched characters. Well, that's good. Unfortunately, in my opinion, they were not replaced with substance or quality. <laughs> oh, so there's that. So, oh, man. Uh, All right. You know, I feel like I've just, I feel like ooh. I've had like a, you know, it, when you were a, a teenager and, and you, you st- first started to get like a, the the junk in your nose. No, oh, you don't have a sister. Never mind. I was going to say, uh-huh. and you, you steal your sister's like strips that you put on the nose yeah. and you're going to yank out the blackheads. Oh, ouch. I kind of feel like I just had that happen, you know, yeah. a little. Yeah. Well. Like on a, on a like on a cosmic kind of. Kind of on a, a literary. Spiritual level. Yeah. Sort of, sort of. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? Oh, boy. All right. Well, that, well, that was that was a segment. That I, was I, a I, segment. I, I thought that was kind of fun. It but was. Let's kind never of fun. do it again. Ever. Yeah. Let's never ever do it again. <laughs> That's the takeaway from that segment. We'll do that every time we're here in the VIP area, and that weird fan is going really loud in the background, and it's this exact day. Baby, let's end with something a little happier, shall we? Um, How about some Q and A? Let's end with a little Q and A. Uh, again, these were questions that uh, readers of mine right submitted uh, via. If via my Facebook page, which Zach uh, manages for me. So uh, facebook.com slash Ted Cluck author, correct? Uh, author Ted Cluck, actually. Author Ted Cluck. Here is, uh, here's the setup. I put this on uh, Ted's uh, Facebook wall. And again, if you don't follow Ted on Facebook, um, I don't know, you're probably either Sarah or Tommy. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you should. Uh, but here's, uh, here's what I put. I said, as you may know, I, Zachary Bartles, run Ted's page for him, meaning the stuff you post here is unlikely to be seen by Ted. However, I'm planning to do a Q&A with Ted sometime in the next month. This was probably more than a month ago. January 2. No, we're good. Um, so, please post questions for Ted about sports, adoption, the church, whatever, and you can hear Ted answer the questions on your laptop or iPad like magic. And uh, we got some stuff going on here. Uh, let's see here. Gordon. Gordon starts with this question. Besides collaborating on Finding God in the Dark, has Ted worked on other projects, community, literary, or even musical, winky face emoticon, with Ronnie Martin? Big R. Oh, Big R, man. Uh, It's always a good day when we can think about Big R and talk about Big R. Uh, Actually, uh, Gordon, thanks for writing. Um, I did do uh, a show, not unlike this show, but actually a little bit unlike this show. In that it was a show. In that it was a show. (laughs) And uh, it was was through a, a... a station, what was that thing even? Uh, RemedyLive.com, I think. And uh, we had like a, a, a TV program called The Reformatory in which Ronnie and I would, uh, we would have guests, we would have people that we were interviewing, and we would talk about uh, issues uh, not unlike these issues. So uh, it was a great show. It was a lot of fun. I, I feel like the, the one recollection I have of The Reformatory is that the way that they lit the room, it was almost like pitch dark. Like I could barely see Ronnie and he could barely see me. And the viewers could barely see us. It looked awesome, though, Ted. It yeah, really that's did. Good. It was it was cool. So, Gordon, if you're so inclined, you could probably Google the Reformatory, Ronnie Martin, Ted Cluck, and uh, find some of those old episodes. And you'll be um, one of the few and the proud people to have uh, actually watched that particular show. And, and that was very legitimate in that you guys interviewed. You had people in studio, like The yeah. Voice, uh, Curtis, uh, what's his name? Curtis Allen, The Voice. Curtis, I, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed to me like... Um, I couldn't have watched that and said, oh, this is, this is small time. It seemed to me like a very good Can I tell you a little story about that show, though? Let's do it, Just yeah. The, from the very beginning, the very first episode, the guy who owned the station interviewed Ronnie and myself just to kind of set up the show. And 
he got us all wired up, all mic'd up, and he started to roll the cameras. And he began to introduce Ronnie Martin, who he was a huge fan of. From Joy and Electric? And, from Joy and Electric. Uh-huh. And, the, and this guy talked for like 15 minutes about Ronnie and about how special his records were and how amazing they were and how they, they inspired him so much when he was a boy growing up and, and listening to all the, the, the Ronnie Martin records. And then, Zach, he turned to me and he goes, I, I kid you not, this is a direct quote. He turns to me and he goes, and this is Ronnie's friend, Ted. <laughs> oh, boy. That was it. That was the extent of my introduction. <laughs> So, welcome to television. Right? <laughs> you were the, with them as always as Garth. With them as always as I was Garth. I was the Garth Algarth. And you figure. know, I feel like you're more the, the Wayne in, in this, Ted, and, and I'm more the Garth. I feel, baby, I feel like we're both the Wayne. <laughs> don't talk like that. <laughs> what, saying that we're both the Wayne? Because that no, sounds don't, don't, Yeah, don't talk, <laughs> don't talk like you're the Garth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, man, this one comes from Frank T. Frank T. Checked his anonymity, and this yeah. comes from Arkansas. Because Frank T's the kind of guy I feel like who wouldn't want just like vestiges of himself all over the internet in perpetuity. You know what I mean? All right. Fra- <clears throat> Frank asks this Who would win in a fight, Mike Tyson or Ivan Drago? Mm, great question. I-, I assume he's asking like Prime Tyson versus Prime Drago, which Prime Drago would be the beginning of Rocky IV. Like the, the Drago that beats uh, Apollo Creed to death in the first fight. Or like the Drago who's getting injected with glowing substances. And yeah, like, the Drago that looks like he trains at a Bally's Total Fitness circa like the early 1990s. But the Soviet equivalent of that. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, Frank T. The prime Tyson, in my opinion, was uh, one of the best heavyweights ever because of how quickly he moved, uh, because of what a great defensive fighter he was. He showed a lot of head movement. He was very quick. Guys I interviewed who fought... Uh, Tyson in his prime said that he, he, his hands were fast like a middleweight, uh, and he was hard to hit like a smaller fighter. So uh, I think the, the prime Tyson would, he would use all that head movement and all that quickness to get inside Drago, um, and he would chop Drago down with, uh, with hooks and uppercuts, hooks to the body, uppercuts uh, to the head, and I think it would be a pretty quick knockout for prime Tyson is what I'm going to say. And you know what? Yeah. Not to sound cold, but if Drago yeah. dies, he dies. He dies. You know that's the thing. All right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with another. This is this is a question from Frank Turk. Okay. Um. Uh, and you know Frank Turk, uh, who's a blogger and a menace who must be stopped, and he's under contract with Gutcheck to to write a book, which he started yep. and he hasn't done any work on it in a it's while. A, it's a unique publishing deal, Zach, in the industry, in that it's a it's a 20 year contract. <laughs> That's not unheard that's the of, way man. We, that's the way we papered the deal up. So My, my wife uh, works for a major Christian publisher, and there have been times where like, they'll discover, wait a minute, this famous preacher has been under contract for 18 years, and they'll go to him and say, we need this manuscript. So, really? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, Turk is like kind of that, that big name for us. Exactly. He says this, if you had to pick someone to ghostwrite your bio, who would it be, and then in parentheses, given that Zach and I would not be available? Oh, man. That's a great question. Someone to ghostwrite my bio, uh, if you guys, if, if you and, uh, and Frank T, Frank Turk, weren't, uh, weren't available. Oh, are you equating Frank T from the no, previous no, question no, no, with Frank Turk? No, okay. absolutely not. Man, that's a really good question. Who would I want to write my bio? I would say David Foster Wallace, but he's dead. Um, well, this is, this is that kind of question where maybe a dead person would be an okay answer, but well, if you had to say someone who's alive. <sighs> someone who's alive. Um, you know, I, I really uh, I like this author. I'm gonna I'm gonna promote uh, somebody else who I have a podcast with, uh, Barnabas Piper, John Piper's oh, okay. son. Really good writer, good young writer. I feel like he gets me. He gets my sense of humor. And the and the book would be called Author's Friend. Yeah, yeah. And it would be mostly about him, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you I know, love it. hey, and, and I don't know. I don't think Barnabas Piper uh, 
has, has commented on any of these podcasts or anything, but if he's listening, he, he, it should be brought to his attention that I follow him on Twitter and he doesn't follow me. Well, so let's, let's fix that, um, man. We've got to get that squared away before any bi- biographical writing takes place. Uh, all right, next question from Polly. Ted! Two exclamation points. You know I love your voice and your work. I know you have a wife, children, and a day job. Z, like an S, like job. Like multiple jobs. jobs. Yeah. yeah, but job then with like the optional S. Yeah. How do you find the time and discipline to stay on point and plow ahead with book projects so consistently? And, and, there's actually and and then ellipsis and then and and then ellipsis, kind of showing how frantic the question is. Uh, how can I be sure I won't miss the video chat with answers? Zachary, can I subscribe? Am I subscribed? And then she puts her Gmail address out for everybody to see. Uh, every spammer and everybody. Oh. And then a smiley emoticon and then thanks with an exclamation point. I love the cool. enthusiasm. I love the enthusiasm there. too. And I think I went to uh, graduate school with a poly. So it, it might be that poly. Uh, and if it is, uh, hi. Um, uh, poly, poly Moore. Oh, yeah. Citizen. Totally. Okay. Totally went to grad school with Poly Moore. Um, what was the question again? How do, how do I get all that stuff? You've done? got all this going on. How do you yeah. stay on point and plow ahead with book tro- projects so consistently despite having so much on your plate? Yeah, yeah. No, really good question. Really. Uh, a question from one writer to another, for sure. Um, I think just loving what I do. I know that sounds like a cliche, but, you know, and I know we, we kind of complain a lot about the industry and stuff on, on this podcast and in real life. But at the end of the day, there's nothing, there, there's really nothing else I'd rather be doing. And I think uh, having projects that you're interested in, saying yes to projects that are, um, even the ghostwriting projects that I've done have been really interesting with interesting people and uh, and good people that I've wanted to work with. So, uh, for me, there's a lot of just kind of intrinsic motivation there. I love telling stories. I love writing. I love being clever with my words. And uh, I love having my own company. I love having gut checks. So uh, for me, I think just kind of filling my life with projects that are, uh, that are really interesting and really cool and, uh, and really fun. And, and it's been a blessing to be able to do that. I can honestly say that, like, you know, over half of what I've done hasn't even been my idea. It's just kind of fallen in my lap, and those have been really good things. Let me ask you this. Do you yeah. do the you know, Hollywood uh, Sean Penn thing of, like, you do the, the blockbuster movie that you're not passionate about to, to get the paycheck? Yeah. In this case, it would be the, the, book, the book deal that, that uh, you know is going to have a big return yeah. in order to be able to then do the kind of, like, art house indie thing. You know, the, the book, the equivalent yeah. would be the book that you want to write that might not have as big of an audience. Yeah. Do, do you have that kind of give and take? Or uh, uh, do you only take stuff that you really do do want to write? Yeah, I think even like the bigger market stuff that I've done uh, has still been stuff that I've wanted to do, or at least like stuff that I've thought I've wanted to do as I've gotten into it. <laughs> um, sometimes you get into those things and you realize like, oh, wow, maybe I, you know, maybe I should have gone in a different direction. But for the most part, I think... You know, everything that I've said yes to, they've all been things that I've wanted to say yes to for, for various reasons. And, I mean, sometimes the reason is you just get to meet and hang out with, you know, some famous football player that you grew up watching, and there's some satisfaction in that. Or, uh, or the story really grabs you or whatever. So uh, I, think, I think for me, there's always got to be a compelling reason to say yes besides the money. Or even the with a ghostwriting gig. Even with a ghostwriting gig. Yeah, even with a ghostwriter. Yeah, I've never heard you say, "Oh, I'm writing this thing with somebody, and I'm not really into it." You're always you're always excited about yeah. your, your projects, and I, I don't think you could do that and do it well, or at least I couldn't. Maybe maybe there are some some pros pros out there who could who could do that well, but I don't think I could. All right, let's do one more, and then we can finish the rest of them up on on the next one. Spectacular. Here, here's a question: mm-hmm. uh, The A's used statistics like on base percentage to change the game of baseball. 
What stat should average football fans look for that will change the game? Oh, man, that's a, that's a great one. Who, uh, who sent that in? That's Zach Pratt. Zach Pratt. I like uh, your name, Zach. Never met you, Zach, but, uh, but thanks for writing. Thanks for visiting the page. Um, and he asked that, I think, because probably we mentioned somewhere along the line that I'm doing this kind of deep stat nerd book about, about football. Right. right, yeah, I, I gave him this prompt. I said, here's okay. some fodder to start you off. Ted is currently working on a book uh, about the scab NFL players, players from during the strike in the 80s, although Ted won't call them scabs. He's also promoting, which, by the way, Ted showed me the cover that they're going to use probably, and it is awesome. He's, he's also promoting Dropbox and Household Gods, which he wrote with his wife Kristen, and it's about family idolatry. He's also writing a book about deep mathematical analysis of football stats, which is something Ted enjoys discussing in forums online with grizzled old men, and which is the only actual social media Ted seems to take part in. <laughs> That's true. I, I will only interact online with grizzled old men who want to talk about football. <laughs> nice. And it's great, man. It's great. That's a good little parameter for me. Um, yeah, I think the stat, Zach, that comes to mind right away, not having had a ton of time to think about it, is, uh, is sack dif- differential. The play where the quarterback drops back to pass and he gets tackled in the backfield. Um, so if you look at the number of sacks that a team gets versus the number of sacks that a team gives up in a given season, uh, the teams that end up winning championships or going deep into the playoffs tend to be the teams that have uh, a greater sack differential. So they get more than they give up. And uh, I think that's one that you can look at that pretty consistently uh, portends uh, success on the field and success in the playoffs. Now, do you get into the uh, fantasy football stuff, or is that... I don't, actually. Fantasy football is uh, it's something I tried a few years ago, like a long time ago, and I was in it for a couple years, and uh, I, I tend to get so viciously competitive with anything football-related that it kind of ruined my weekends and it ruined my Sundays. And <laughs> rather than blowing off steam, you're like up late at night, like oh, yeah. worrying yeah, about yeah, your it, fantasy it football. It added stress to my life <laughs> rather than, you know, rather than being this That's like perfect. recreational thing. So uh, much to the, the pleasure and delight of my wife, I, uh, I quit fantasy football and, uh, and my family is better for it. Nice. All right. Well, hey, let's let's call it a, an app there, and uh, we'll we'll get. I've got probably that many questions again. We Fantastic. can uh, rock them next time. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Those were awesome. And thanks for listening to the Gut Check Podcast. Who